4: And now, part two of our three-part installment with Ms. Dorothy Roberts discussing her book, Torn Apart, How the Child Welfare System Destroys Black Families and How Abolition Can Build a Safer World. I am your host, Ramses Ja. So let's discuss the long-term effects for these Black children and their parents, perhaps, uh, that do make it out of the child welfare system.
3: The harms to Black families of this policing system begin with the very investigation. And it's crucial to note that a study found that more than half of black children in America will be subject to a child protection investigation at some point while growing up by age 18. And you may not realize how harmful an investigation is. These are government agents coming into the home and they can inspect every corner of the home, they interrogate children, they even strip search children to look for signs of abuse. And we know how traumatic that can be to be under this kind of scrutiny, including long-term surveillance if there's a finding of child abuse or neglect, or a risk of child abuse and neglect. And these this surveillance can take into account every aspect of the family's lives. Then, if children are removed from their homes, there's the trauma of separating children from their families. Yeah. Uh, you know, you might remember when President Trump had stepped up the policy of family separation at the border of migrant families. Mm -hmm. There was a huge outcry all over the nation and lots of evidence pouring in. The media covered how children are traumatized and parents are traumatized when they're separated by the government. And people seem to understand that this is a really emotionally wrenching event that has long-term consequences. Well, this happens to Black children all the time in America at extremely high rates, and the trauma of just being separated is minimized uh, by, I think, the media and most of the American public. Then there's the harm of spending time in so-called foster care. Uh, This isn't the case that children are usually placed with loving substitute parents who care for them, they are usually placed in very fragile and transient kinds of settings. Even if it's in a home, there usually isn't the kind of bond that's developed between foster caretakers and children And many children aren't even placed in homes, they're placed in institutions, what's called congregate care, either group homes, or sometimes prison-like institutions called residential treatment centers, where they're guarded by staff, they may be locked up in rooms, Uh, they don't get a good education, they're separated from friends and neighbors and loved ones, and There is a lot of harm done to children in these kinds of settings. Children have been killed. There have been recent cases of Black teenagers killed by staff based on minor infractions. I tell the story, for example, of Cornelius Fredericks, who was in one of these residential treatment centers in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and he threw a piece of bread in the cafeteria and was descended on by the staff who really are like prison guards, Mm -hmm. uh, who asphyxiated him as he screamed he couldn't breathe and killed him. Uh, And this is just one of many stories of children who are brutalized uh, sexually and physically in these kinds of institutions. There's also well-documented evidence of long-term harms to children. Their outcomes are poor. Children who spend time in foster care are less likely to get a high school diploma, to go to college. They're more likely to be homeless. They have lower incomes. They're more likely to be incarcerated than children who don't spend time in foster care. And People will say, well, that's because these children were troubled when they come into foster care. But as I show in Torn Apart and many studies show, it's foster care itself that is a barrier to children's flourishing. Mm -hmm. It interrupts their education. It interrupts their relationships with people who can care for them and support them and help them. Many children age out of foster care after their parents' rights have been terminated and they haven't returned to their families or been adopted. And in most places, when they age out of foster care, they're given a small amount of money. They may be left at a homeless shelter or a Y, and they have no adults who care for them, no support. Uh, Some of them are able to return to their families, but some of them have lost touch with their families or their families have been destroyed by the system that responds to their needs, not by providing what would support the family, but very often by just giving the family a list of mandated tasks they have to complete to get their children back. And this can lead to the family's houselessness, to their loss of jobs, uh, and to their own em- emotional trauma at having their family torn apart. So there are harms both to children and to family caregivers by this approach of investigation, accusation, and family destruction that is at the heart of our family policing system.
4: And it's funny you mention family policing because, and as you mentioned earlier, you make a connection uh, with, I I believe, the prison industrial complex by referring to um, it as the foster industrial complex. And I think that what that illuminates is that there's a multi-billion dollar industry that's operating here. I mean, we've identified the problems, we've identified the shortcomings. Let's discuss the ways that the money could be better spent, that, that the money could be used to build something that works better, especially for for black and brown bodies.
3: Yeah, I call it a foster industrial accomplice because it is a multibillion dollar apparatus mm. upwards of almost 40 billion dollars spent every year mostly to maintain children apart from their families the vast majority of funds spent on our so-called child welfare system are spent on keeping children away from their families and maintaining them in foster care and so that money could be diverted instead to resources for families for example there are studies that show that a third of children in foster care could be safely returned to their families if their families had secure housing. Mm. So we know that one of the ways this money could be spent is on providing housing to families. Instead of taking children away from families that don't have secure housing, and then spending money on keeping those children in congregate care or foster homes or residential treatment facilities, why not spend that money on providing affordable, secure, high-quality housing for families? Uh, It could be spent on income directly to struggling families. Uh We know, again, from multiple studies and just from common sense, that giving income supplements to impoverished families and raising children out of poverty is the best thing you can do for impoverished children's welfare. This is well-documented and it would be much more beneficial for children's safety to simply give income supports to families than spending billions of dollars taking children away from families and maintaining them in the foster industrial complex. Uh, We should have more support for community-based mutual aid networks, groups of people based in communities that provide the concrete material resources that people need like groceries, diapers, Mental health care, high quality, voluntary, non coercive drug treatment, uh, the kinds of things that people need to survive and flourish, and that children need to be safe and uh, healthy. That's what this money should be spent on rather than this terroristic, oppressive system that tears families apart and has not worked to keep
0: children safe or improve children's welfare. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings, that frustrating thing your mom does, or that silly thing you said in a meeting. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com BIN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash B-I-N.
5: Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso,
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: We are here with author and professor Ms. Dorothy Roberts discussing child welfare in the Black community and her latest book release, Torn Apart, How the Child Welfare System Destroys Black Families and How Abolition Can Build a Safer World. Now, you know, we discussed rethinking what child welfare means. At first, we have to understand the shortcomings, but then rethinking the structure, the apparatus, as you mentioned, um, entirely. It sounds like from the ground up, hence the word abolish. Yes. A big part of that has to do with the laws, I would imagine, as well. Yes. And your book, Turn Apart, it also points to some grassroots campaigns that are working hard to push for legislation, that will guarantee certain rights and representations for parents. What are some of the most important pieces of legislation needing to be passed right now to help shape the outcomes for these children and these families?
3: So legislative efforts are one way of dismantling the system Mm -hmm. and also replacing it with an approach that truly cares for children and supports families. So in terms of dismantling. There are proposed laws that would reduce the power of family policing agents to enter homes, to search them, to investigate families without the kinds of protections that families should have. Mm -hmm. People forget, for example, that the Fourth Amendment applies to any government agent who wants to search your home, not just police officers, but also caseworkers from child protection agencies. And yet, many judges have basically given caseworkers an exemption from the requirements of the Fourth Amendment. Mm. And so, proposed legislation in New York State and other parts of the country is to provide families with Miranda rights to require caseworkers when they come to investigate a home to tell parents what their constitutional rights are. They have a right to an attorney. They have a right to refuse entry into their home without a warrant. Uh, Under the Fourth Amendment, Any government agent has to have probable cause to search a home, and they should have to go to court and prove that there is probable cause to enter a home and get a warrant, just like police officers are supposed to do. And many parents simply don't know this. So, one legislative proposal is to alert parents of their constitutional rights, Uh, another is then to provide parents and other family caregivers with high quality legal representation from the very beginning of an investigation mm-hmm. Most parents who are investigated do not have legal representation when a caseworker arrives at the door This is one reason why there are so many black children involved in the child welfare system is that most black parents, don't have a lawyer on call that they can reach out to unlike a wealthy white family for example which hardly ever gets under the radar of the child welfare system but let's just say that in the exceptional case a caseworker shows up at their door they're going to call their lawyer sure yeah. and the impoverished families don't have lawyers to call and that is unjust They have an equal right to legal representation, and we need legislation that provides for it from the very beginning. It's often too late if you wait until the child is taken from the home, and then a judge has to decide, well, should I return the child home or not at a hearing? there should be legal representation before children are taken before anyone even comes into the home to investigate these are just basic civil rights that black parents should have and so we need legislation to provide for that there's a growing part of legal services that called family defense that specializes in representing families that have been accused by the child welfare system of child maltreatment and are under investigation. And they increasingly are multidisciplinary. They include not only lawyers, but also social workers and parent advocates so that they provide holistic services to families that are under investigation to avoid taking children away from their families. And trying to meet the needs of the family so that we don't have to have this kind of disruptive, traumatic approach that is typical of the family policing system. A couple other legislative efforts are to end what's called mandated reporting. This is the law in all states that identifies certain professionals who have contact with children and require them under certain circumstances to report their suspicions of child abuse or neglect to state officials. Uh, Probably people are well aware of child abuse hotlines Mm -hmm. And the idea that certain people, teachers, doctors, social workers are supposed to report their suspicions. Now, that reporting is done in a very racially biased way. There's lots of evidence that shows that teachers and doctors and police officers and caseworkers are biased against Black families, and they are more likely to report Black families than white families for similar kinds of injuries or concerns. And so uh, in general as well, mandated reporting tends to deter people from seeking help from the very professionals who might be able to give them support because they're afraid that if they seek help, for unmet needs that their children have or problems in the family that they're going to get reported and their children will be taken from them. Mm -hmm. And so mandated reporting doesn't help to protect children. If anything, it deters families from getting help and it doesn't prevent professionals from providing what help they need to end mandated reporting. It frees up professionals to truly help families because they don't have to rely on reporting them as the tool to use to uh, deal with families' problems. And so some proposed legislation is either to limit or even to end mandated reporting altogether.
4: Now, that's not to say that uh, that they can't still report something. It's just not mandatory. Is that correct?
3: Exactly. They could still report uh, a problem if they think that a child is being severely abused in the home and there's nothing they can do about it. Of course, there's nothing preventing them from reporting. But the problem with mandated reporting is that many people report a suspicion that a child has a need. When they could help provide that need without calling in a destructive system. And so it is a barrier to families getting the support that they need by relying on this destructive system instead of just providing the support that many professionals have. In addition to, the stark racial biases in reporting. Also, it's very clear that professionals don't really believe they're mandated to report all evidence of child abuse and neglect. They only report it in the case of impoverished families, and especially Black and Indigenous families. So most professionals that have a relationship with affluent or middle-class white families don't report problems in the family to the child welfare system. For example, let's say there's a doctor who has a private relationship with a wealthy white family, and the doctor knows that a child in the family has an eating disorder that is threatening the health of that child. They are not going to call Child Protective Services to come in and investigate the family. They're going to treat the family as if the family has a health problem that the professional can address. This is very different from what routinely happens in Black communities when Black parents Have a problem in the family with the health of a child. You know, I I talk about in the book the case of Saisha Mercado, a former American Idol contestant who brought her 13 month old child to a hospital in St. Petersburg because she was trying to transition him from breastfeeding to solid food. And she was concerned that he was dehydrated, and the hospital called the child abuse hotline and reported the child is failing to thrive and malnourished and took custody of her child. Then when she had a baby six months later, they sent the sheriff's office to take the baby away from her. This was documented on an Instagram live video. It took them nine days to get their baby back from Child Protective Services in Florida. No evidence she had harmed her baby. She was breastfeeding this baby. She was caring for the baby. And because she was considered to be a risky mother because of the prior problem, health problem with her son, they came, armed officers came and snatched her child away from her. That does not happen with wealthy white families. So it's not the case that we truly have a mandated reporting system in America. We have a system of deputized agents that investigate impoverished families, especially Black families. And that is unjust. We need to dismantle that.
4: Even more now, I'm seeing that just like the uh, criminal justice system, more often than not, wealth rather than culpability shapes outcomes. And so, um, point point taken and point well made. Let's let everyone know where they can get the book Torn Apart and also any future projects, of course, websites, social media, everything like that. How can folks plug in with you?
3: Well, Torn Apart is published by Basic Books and it's available on All the online booksellers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can find it at your local bookstore. If it's not in your local bookstore, ask it to order the book. It's widely available. Uh, You can go to the Basic Books website uh, and click on a number of booksellers that are there, and you'll go straight to the site for Torn Apart. Uh, I'm on Twitter. My handle is at Dorothy E. Roberts. I also have a website, DorothyERoberts.com. You can also find information about me on the University of Pennsylvania websites. I'm at University of Pennsylvania, Carey Law School. I'm also in the departments of sociology and Africana Studies, and I have sites on their websites as well.
4: This concludes part two of our three-part installment with Ms. Dorothy Roberts discussing her book, Torn Apart, How the Child Welfare System Destroys Black Families and How Abolition Can Build a Safer World. Check back in with us tomorrow for part three.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you